from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our first reading comes from Psalm 97. The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his adversaries on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the peoples behold his glory. All servants of images are put to shame. Those who make their boast in worthless idols, all gods bow down before him. Zion hears and is glad, and the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O God. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He guards the lives of his faithful. He rescues them from the hand of the wicked. Light dawns for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading for today comes from the book of Revelation. These are the very last words in all of our Holy Scripture. So hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. See, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And it is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. And I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, having heard the word read we prepare to hear how it lives in our lives. May you bless our 
hearing and reading and speaking of scripture today that it might break open for us and that we might learn anew what it is you have to say to us today. We put our faith and our trust in you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are some weeks in which reading the apocalyptic text, like this one from Revelation, feels just about right. There are some times where the four horsemen and the seven plagues make a strange sort of sense. There are some days when monsters do not feel far off and imaginary, but incredibly close and very real. These are weeks like this past one. COVID cases on the rise again, election tensions heating up again, abuse covered up by the church brought to light again. And of course, the 19 children and two teachers who lost their lives to gun violence again. And when we add to this list our personal or family problems, like broken relationships or chronic illness, mental health issues, loss of livelihood, discrimination, battles with addiction. It's times like this week when the difficult and painful world feels very apocalyptic, but it's not. It's real. John of Patmos, the author of our text today, offered his visions in Revelation to a very real world. He wrote to seven churches and seven congregations in Asia Minor. Some of the cities might sound familiar to you, Ephesus, Smyrna, Philadelphia. It was around 95 CE, and these were the beginning days of the early church, just a generation or so after Jesus' death. And the Roman emperor had been wreaking havoc in the Christian world. Many had been persecuted. The apostles, most were martyred. And the author of this text, John, was exiled to the island of Patmos, far away from the rest of his world for confessing Christ as Lord. It was a terrible time. So the terrible happenings described in the book of Revelation had this bizarre resonance. Jesus descending from the clouds to issue warnings and prophecies, plagues pouring out of bowls, the wrath of God on display, dragons and beasts, flaming angels and double-edged swords. All of these visions work together to construct this strange sort of blueprint to say despite appearances to the contrary, believe that God is in charge of the world. The instructions in Revelation, these symbols, visions, the numerology, it makes up the secret code that said to the oppressed, endure. To the martyrs, you'll get your reward. And to the persecutors, await your judgment. Righteous judgment, eternal punishment, is always a part of the landscape of the apocalyptic genre. And it's not just in Revelation, 
although we heard that from today. You may be familiar with the sheep and the goats from Matthew's gospel. We call these the little apocalypse. And if you're not, I'll remind you, the goat go to eternal damnation and the sheep to eternal life. And what about the wheat and the chaff where the chaff is burned with unquenchable fire? Or the book of days in Daniel where the court sits in judgment and abominations of desolation burn? It's even in Luke, in the parables. There's this heavenly banquet from which the rich man is denied and instead he cries out to Father Abraham in agony from the fiery pit that is named Hades. And in Revelation today, we hear about murderers and idolaters, sorcerers, and people who love and practice falsehoods. They are excluded from participating in the new city of God with its rivers and trees of life. And it gets even scarier from there. We hear the words that it's not just murderers and sorcerers, But everyone who hears the words of the book and adds to them or takes away from them, that they will be haunted by plagues and denied their share in the holy city. There are several ways that we preachers approach the texts of judgment. Sometimes we try to explain it away. You may have heard this before. Don't take these too seriously. That first century ancient Near East world, y'all, the environment there was just really different, very hostile, and the message is not really going to resonate with us today. Or, on the other hand, you can take the texts very seriously, and by this I mean preach hellfire and damnation. You read Revelation like a secret cryptogram, and you try to decipher the treasure map toward your holy reward. Of course, the only way you can get ahead is by leaving other people behind. Now, lucky for you, or unlucky as the case may be, we are Presbyterians. And so the road well trodden by Presbyterians is basically to ignore the texts of God's righteous judgment. We do not tend to preach from the apocalyptic genre at all, although Tony did offer a sermon a couple weeks ago. I'm guessing you haven't heard much about Revelation or even these other apocalyptic passages, these parts of the gospel, some of the prophets, the book of Daniel, Actually, some scholars say that this apocalyptic vision really pervades all of our holy texts, and yet we still skim right by. But in today's text, we can't hide it. In today's text, God's judgment is on display. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, sorcerers, murderers, liars, anyone who messes with this book. I love that one line. Blessed are those who wash their robes. 
They have the right to the tree of life. Some translations will say, blessed are those who follow the commandments. But maybe it's because I do so much laundry at home. I love what we have here. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They have the right to the tree of life. It's a great image to counter or to run alongside the threat of judgment. That we are blessed not by being squeaky clean, but by spending time washing our robes before the gates of the great city of God. As part of my role as pastor to families, I teach parent baptism classes. And in those classes, I use an image from Paul's letter to the Galatians that takes up this idea of robes. It's chapter 3, verse 27. You may have heard of it before. It says, in our baptisms, we are clothed in Christ Jesus. So I like to think of the waters at the baptismal font as not just a cleansing from sin, but a cleansing for putting on the clothing of Christ. I tell the parents, think of that baby getting snuggled up and wrapped in a towel after his tubby, or even the bigger kid who puts on his backpack as he heads out to the bus and into the world. In baptism, we splash around in the cleansing waters so that we get out and cover up in Christ's peace and humility and justice and love. Now, our passage in Revelation today meets us again at the water. But it's on the other side of life's journey. Instead of the beginning days here in Revelation, we are at the end. And instead of being sin-free and freshly clothed, the text anticipates that before we enter the eternal city of God, we will need to wash our robes. It's almost like this apocalyptic genre with its cosmic catastrophes and terrifying beasts confirms what we already know, that the world will wear us out that our clothes will be stained. Even our Christ wrapping gets dirty. And in Revelation, the righteous judgment of God reminds us all that we've got some self-cleaning to do before the blinding light of the bright morning star. My favorite theologian these days is also a children's author, Madeline L. Ingle. And someone once asked her what she thought about the biblical things of judgment and reward. And she had this to say. She said, I don't believe God is going to wave a magic wand and say, okay, everybody out of hell, home free. But... The only purpose for punishment is to teach a lesson, and there is only one lesson to be taught, and that lesson is love. 
She says, it's probably the most terrible punishment of all, an almost intolerable anguish, she says, for it means that the sinner has to realize what has been done, has to be truly sorry, and has to repent and turn to God. No, she says, I don't believe God is going to wave a magic wand, but... I do believe that God is not going to fail with God's creation. I don't worship a failing God, she says. Do you? One of my seminary professors who's now uh, leaving the office of president at Union Theological Seminary Reverend Dr. Brian Blunt has a commentary on the book of Revelation. It's called, Can I Get a Witness? And I highly recommend it. And in this commentary, he takes John of Patmos' visions and compares it with Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dreams. And he says, the message of Revelation is one of nonviolent resistance. For a people under pressure in a terrifying world, what does this word of God impart? Keep the faith. Endure. Hold fast to hope. You know, the final poetic image of Revelation is one of grandeur. The blueprint of the city is beautiful. The bones are so good. The verses describe a new heaven and a new earth, and coming down out of heaven, the new Jerusalem, the holy city like a bride adorned for her partner. It has the glory of God and a radiance like a very rare jewel so that there's no need for sun or moon, or light, the city is lit from within. There are 12 high gates, and the streets are gold, transparent. There is, too, the tree of life, with 12 kinds of fruit that come every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And this river This river, it's the water of life, and it flows from the throne of God straight through the middle of the streets. It's bright as a crystal, and it is a gift for us all. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears say, come, and let everyone who is thirsty come, let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The book of Revelation was written for a world in chaos to offer the solace of a God-ordained future and to promise that it would come. But Revelation was written for individuals, too. Remember those seven cities and those seven congregations? 
was for ordinary folks like me and you who knew the chaos of the world out there but also knew the turmoil that is deep inside. Scholar Luke Timothy Johnson says, Revelation is one of those rare compositions that speaks both to the deepest longings of the human heart for health and well-being and to the obscure corners of the human heart that tend toward illness. And that's where we land in our passage for today. We hold both corners of sickness and deep longing for wholeness in our bodies, our communities, and our world. And the good news for us is that into those places, Jesus comes to offer us the water of life as a gift so that we, blessed ones, so that we will wash our robes. And as the dirt sloughs off and the muck gives way, we find good bones a beautiful blueprint that we are lit from within. Our reading for today were the very last lines of Revelation, the very last lines describing this new city, this new world, this new earth. But just one chapter before, when God's great plan is introduced, here is what the Holy Scripture says. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. See, the home of God is among mortals. Friends, in this season that can sometimes seem like the end of days, remember Revelation. Wash your robes, uncover good bones. You are lit from within. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.